Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where reading is fundamental. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beege. You know I can't read. I don't know that. Today, we're talking about reading um, and kind of checking in on where we're at with reading and audiobooks and all that kind of stuff. And this one actually comes from a listener question. So I know we just kind of pivoted the Patreon. It's going to be more, um, you know, the Geek to Geek network in general instead of just this podcast. But right before we did that, we did a survey with our listeners, right? Do you want to explain what we did? Yes. Uh, we took a call for topics from everybody, and then we had uh, patrons vote on what they wanted us to do uh, episode on. And the one that got the most votes was from Colton Bliss, who, thank you, by the way, for being a patron and for throwing this idea at us, uh, who wanted to hear about reading and audiobooks from us. So um, the uh, idea was, uh, I listened to, this is what Colton said, I also listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I'm always looking for recommendations and love it when I hear the recommendations you guys do give for books. I would love to hear more about what you guys are reading or even like a, a top 10 best audiobook recommendation or something along those lines. So that's uh, that's what we're doing today. Everybody wanted to hear about that. So it sounded like a lot of fun for us to go through this because we haven't talked about reading and audiobooks and books, you know, in depth for quite a while. Yeah, so we don't quite have like a top 10 here, but we want to talk about where we're at, like what we've been doing for reading and like our how our approach has changed. And then um, just kind of like what we've been reading lately that's been interesting. Um, and so I'll kick us off here just because I know I talked about it when we did like the yearly themes episode where um, I've done a lot of just like wellness. You know, that was kind of like the thing mm -hmm. that resonated with me. And part of that, one of the subcategories was reading. And I hadn't really gotten around to that yet. So I've made some progress since then. And I feel like it's been kind of a mixed success. I've gotten a lot better at like working more and more audiobooks into my rotation in like the second half of the year here. Um, so I'm getting through more books, but I still haven't really found a good way to carve dedicated time to sit down and like read a book you know with my eyes instead of my ears even though they're both yeah. totally valid um and i i enjoy reading that way like i still like it a lot um i just haven't found a way to work it into my schedule because i there's always noise and you know i have kids where they're always busy and it's yep. like it's hard to find quiet time that's a long enough chunk that i can focus on a book and enjoy it like i could sneak reading in between other things that are going on but there's a certain like enjoyment that i get for having just like three four five hours with a book and nothing else and just getting into the zone and i i don't know how to work that into my life at the moment I can't figure it out either. I mean, and I don't even have kids, but it's it really is that long period of time for reading. The longest that I get is when I'm out exercising. That tends to be when I get a chance to have a large chunk that I'm willing and able to dedicate to an audiobook. Like I don't get that like sitting around for like 3 hours and reading. I guess I could, but just the way that we live our life doesn't isn't really conducive to that. So I can read for a little here and there. Uh, and it also hurts that I don't have a commute anymore. That was whenever I got a lot of podcast listening and audiobook listening done was during a commute. So without that, I've tried to work it in more of when Jennifer and I are sitting at night uh, watching TV and we kind of have one of those lulls where we're not doing anything. I've tried to pick up a book and read um, and it's not even on my phone. Like I've tried to actually disconnect lately and try Try to actually pick up a book instead of just staring at a screen all the time. So I'm making a conscious effort to uh, to get that get some of that time because I know I'm not going to be able to have two or three hours at a time just because of the way that she and I interact. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. So I've almost gone like hard the other direction with picking up a physical book. But before I talk about that, um, kind of what you mentioned about finding time when you're around and like working it into your day that's how i've gotten through so many audiobooks so i i mean i know i've talked about how much i listen to podcasts and i still do so i like finish my podcasts first and then if i have time when i could be listening to podcasts i just switch to audiobooks and for me most of that time is like household maintenance because mm. just running a house with two kids and two working adults Every night, except for like the night when we record, when you and I do this, like this is a night that I have carved out for doing podcasting. Yes. Besides this night, 
every other night of the week, I'm just like doing little things around the house to keep a household running, right? Like I'm doing laundry. I'm picking up after the kids. I'm doing dishes. I'm helping them make dinner. I'm cleaning up after their dinner. I have to make dinner for myself. You know, it's, it's like, it's that kind of stuff where it's just things that never end and they come back every week. Anytime I'm doing that, I have one headphone in and I'm either listening to a podcast or an audiobook, and I specifically do one headphone because, like, I don't want to cut myself off from my family. And they right. know by now, because I've been doing this for a while, that they can talk to me when I have one headphone in, and I'll just pause what I'm listening to, and then we'll just talk and have a conversation. Um, and that works really well. That has seemed to work really well for my family. And I get so distracted by doing stuff like that. One of the big problems that I tend to have just on on a personal level is that whenever I try to do more than one thing, I just straight up fail. Like a lot of people say, oh, I can multitask. I can do this. And I fully admit that I'm not capable of it because if I'm focusing in on one thing, whether it's listening or writing or reading a book, I can't be having a conversation or doing something else. The closest that I can get to that is like cleaning or doing laundry or, you know, cooking dinner or something. I can do that just fine. But you put in those other people, you get Jennifer in the room wanting to have a conversation occasionally, or, uh, you know, I don't have kids, but kids running around needing something. I can't do any of it. Like it just shuts down because my brain just does not split that well. It wants to focus on one thing at a time. So I've found that listening with one headphone in might as well be listening with none. That uh, unless I'm able to dedicate you know, myself to doing the task that doesn't require concentration. Yeah. And for me, I've found that multitasking makes me feel better. <laughs> like I actually really like multitasking um, for certain things, right? There are things that I, I try to like monotask, but I, I like doing multiple things at once because it keeps my brain busy. Or like um, a lot of the time, what I found is that if it's something I can do on autopilot with my body, that's a really good time to engage my mind with a podcast or with an audiobook. So it's right. those household chores that are the same every time. Or it's when I'm on the treadmill exercising, you know, or if I'm out for a walk, something where like the body's just on autopilot um, and then my brain can like engage with something else. So that's what I do a lot of the time. Yeah, and I end up, whenever I'm working, keeping it in silence. And it's something I've tried over and over again to stop doing, that I want to be able to keep a podcast open, or a, a, I want to keep a podcast playing, or sometimes I want to keep a video on the other monitor, and it's very hard for me to like concentrate and get everything while I'm doing SEO research or writing an article. And so do you do that kind of thing when you're at work? Are you able to have that kind of, uh, not music, but voiced talking and conversation while you're doing work? Because I have not found a way to uh, get my brain to focus on all of it at once and still get anything out. Out of any of it uh there have been times in my career where i've been able to do that because of the type of work i'm doing but these days not so much because i'm doing a lot of reading and responding and writing and i can't mm -hmm. like i can't be listening to a podcast and also engaging my like reading writing brain at the same time okay. that doesn't work i can't do both at the same time because i think it's kind of a similar part of your brain where you're trying to comprehend too many things at once um, that makes so, me feel better so that uh, so I know because that's what it is for me. It's like I'll end up mixing words with people and writing what the conversation is going on in the podcast or the video I'm watching. And it just breaks for me. So I have to make sure that I carve specific time to do that. And I just most of the time for me, it's right before bed that I do most of my reading like in the evening as during we have what we call quiet time. I know I've talked about in the past and uh, lately that has been no screen reading. I've been picking up actual books and looking at them uh, before going to bed just so I don't have another screen in my face. Yeah. And one of the things that I've found is like when we actually get to a point in the night where my house is quiet because my kids are like settled, they won't be asleep, but they'll be like settled in their rooms. If I just stop and do nothing, I will be utterly exhausted because usually I'm going from like 5 a.m. until by the time the kids are settled and I'm done doing household maintenance stuff, just that ongoing stuff that everyone deals with, it's mm -hmm. usually about 9 p.m., you know? So my day is basically like 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. nonstop, like literally yeah. just one thing after another. Um, so I try to keep rolling into another activity because if I don't, 
I I'm liable to kind of just crash and sleep and then I have to get up and go back to work. Um, so that's one thing. But the other thing that I've found to try to work reading into my life besides audiobook listening in all those places I talked about already is the Kindle app. And mm. I've moved more away from my actual Kindle and more towards the app for two reasons. One of which I've talked about before is the black background with the light gray text on it. I yes. really like that. I, that works really well for me. It's really gentle on the eyes compared to like a screen that you're used to seeing black text on a white background. Like that's not good for your eyes. And it also kind of feels like work. It feels like a word doc almost, you know? Yeah, it does. Like that was part of it. Whenever I found that there was the black background with gray text, like the night mode, I think is what they called it originally. Like I went for it immediately because it didn't feel like I was looking at uh, one of the papers I was writing for school. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like I love the black background with light gray text on it. Um, so that's my default. And then the other thing that they introduced like a year or two ago that I can't go back now is the infinite scrolling on the phone. So I think it's probably on the iPad version of the Kindle app too, but basically instead of having pages, because it's digital, you don't have to have pages. So they turned it into an infinite scroll, just like if you're reading an article or if you're on social media or whatever. And on my phone, that is such a natural, just like rhythm to get into that I found it a lot easier to read books on infinite scroll instead of having a page that I have to finish the page and then tap to flip the page. Instead, now, I, I just change it. And I love it so much. Now, this is where I'm the opposite of you. You told me about the infinite scrolling, goodness gracious, I don't even remember how long ago it was, and I went and immediately turned it on, and I hated it, and I've tried it over and over again, and the reason is, I really think, is that it is too close to, like you said, it's just this natural movement that you do when you're on your phone, and we're so used to it, it makes me skim, it means that I'm skimming the content as opposed to actually sitting and reading it and that having to finish a page, you know, quote unquote, a page of content means that even though I have that, you know, half second of recognition that it's the end of it and then flipping to the next screen and having it transition, that keeps me from skimming all of the content and having to go back and reread it like I do articles. I mean, very few of us probably read every article on every site we read, you know, word for word. And so if I get that way in a book I'm reading, then it's defeating that purpose. I, uh, I don't, they're not made to be scanned. And the infinite scroll really does uh, make it so that it doesn't feel like I'm reading a book anymore. And my brain doesn't treat it that way. So I turned it off and just, I've gone back a couple of times. And every time it's the same thing where I find myself, I don't know what happened. I've just been scrolling and looking at every fifth word. I, I just love it so much. I love the infinite scroll. I think that um, on phone, like most people naturally fall into this thing where you don't actually use your whole phone screen. There's like a point that you kind of naturally look at on your phone and you just yep. scroll to keep the content there. And mm -hmm. what I found was happening when I was trying to read with pages in the Kindle app is that when I got out of that place, it just didn't feel as nice. Like I didn't like it hmm. reaching the bottom of the page because it's the bottom of my phone screen and then having to tap. So as soon as I turn on infinite scroll, I just kind of keep it in that range where my eyes naturally rest. And it's just, I don't know, it feels better for me. So I like it a lot, even if you don't. But yeah, I mean, I understand. Like for me, I don't actually tap the side of the screen to do it. I actually swipe like uh, like I'm turning the page like I used to even use the animation in iBooks or books. Now, I guess they just call it where you actually see the page turn like for me that uh, that weird, like not quite tactile experience helps me with uh, with doing it, because pretty much for the last five to eight, ten years, I've read almost nothing but ebooks. Oh, that's fair. I mean, that's totally fair. Um, I think the other kind of form of reading that you and I both dabble in and jump into and out of are like the comics and manga and like reading apps, like comic yep. reading apps. So I know that I've talked about Comicsology Unlimited. You and I have both done Marvel Unlimited. And then you've been doing Shonen Jump lately, right? Yeah, I, their premium, uh, like Shonen Jump is a manga app, and I really, really like it because the premium, like unlimited access to all of these collections that you have, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chapters for everyone, like Marvel Unlimited, it's two bucks a month. 
it's a dollar ninety nine, and I was just like, I was paying like seven to thirteen dollars and uh, uh, volume for for the books for the manga that I was getting. I'm like. I can't not pay $2 just to read this. So I was reading The Promised Neverland, uh, and I finished the first volume of it in no time, like in one night. And I'm like, man, I want the next one, but I don't want to pay like another $8 and wait two days. And I looked... And if I paid two, like t- literally two dollars, I could get it and read on my uh, tablet and my phone. So that's what I did. The Shonen Jump app is great, and it's just a, a manga app for just like Comixology or Marvel Unlimited, where you can do it as full pages or as the uh, panel by panel scrolling. Like it's great. Cool. Like I cannot recommend it enough if you're the kind of person who actually reads uh, massive amounts of uh, of manga. Yeah, and I think that they they're all good in different ways. It depends what you're after, right? Comicsology right. is like kind of where I have my digital comic collection. Like the ones that I actually pay for that I, you know, then own a copy of. I have right. all those through Comicsology cuz I buy them on Amazon. Um, but then like the actual Comicsology subscription it wasn't fantastic. It was okay, but I got through literally all the content I was interested in in the one month free trial. Um, right. Whereas, like Marvel Unlimited, there's such a huge backlog of Marvel comics in there that every once in a while, when I'm in the right mood and I want to do Marvel comics I haven't read before or catch up on the latest six months or whatever, I'll subscribe for a month and I'll just dig in. And then I'll I'll usually be like, okay, I'm kind of getting burned out on comics. And then I'll stop again until I get in yep. the mood. Now, right now, if you're listening to this episode when it's new, there's actually a Marvel Unlimited deal going on for half off. So you can get a year of Marvel Unlimited for $5 a month, but I think you have to pay for the year, so it's $60. Uh, But that's half of what you normally pay. So if you're doing it for a long period of time, then right now, if you're listening to this when it's new, uh, check it out because you can get it for half off. Um, I haven't jumped at it yet because I've got the other ones that I'm actually using, like Shona but uh i do the same thing that you do with marvel unlimited is i get i wait until they uh build up a lot of them that i want and then read through a lot all at once yeah totally well and then i kind of like the last way that i know both of us consume books is audible right which we've already touched on a bunch so we don't have to go super deep but like i just i I haven't seen any other audiobook platform that's anywhere close to it like i know there are some library platforms where you can check books out with your library card that's super cool i've tried those and they just never quite have the features and the feel of audible that i'm used to so i've i've just kept an audible subscription for the last i don't even know it's probably like seven years at this point it's been a long time but like i love audible i listen to so many books on there I start and stop them so many times with my my membership. Like Audible was the one I started with way back before it was an Amazon company. And uh, when it came with an ad for free audiobooks with my iPod video that I bought, like when you had to watch videos on this little like two inch screen uh, back back in the day. Yeah, I think it was like 2006, actually. Uh, So it really was a long time ago. And like, I love Audible, like, but I also like Overdrive and Hoopla and a bunch of the other stuff like the library app that you were talking about the problem i have with them isn't their features it's not that they have uh too few features because the only one i really care about is stop well two i want it to be able to pick up from where i stopped which has been an issue with just certain apps and then i want them to be able to speed it up by one and a half to two times yes like if critical for me if they don't do that, I can't re- I can't listen to it because it feels like I'm listening to uh, somebody who's talking through molasses. Yes. And uh, yes, I, yes, just, yes. I just can't. But they have that one. Like, like I've always been able to get through that one. Uh, the, what limited me on uh, keeping on going back to it was the two-week limit that uh, if I don't necessarily finish an audiobook within two weeks just depending on my schedule and what I'm doing with it so if somebody put a hold on it and wanted that book after I did uh, after my term was up it automatically returned instead of giving me the option to renew and so while I never it tells you that so don't get me wrong like the apps will tell you that uh, that it's coming up and that somebody has a hold uh, so you can finish it but uh, I was always uh afraid I wouldn't finish the book and had to rush. Uh, so I ended up just going back to Audible where, you know, I could not worry. I could get the books I wanted and not worry about the time that I had to finish them in. Yeah, I understand that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, 
I just love it as an app. Like it's such a good audible or audiobook experience. Um, it does kind of stink though that that's basically all there is. That uh, there's not really a good competitor for Audible out there. It's uh, like when I was looking around for my uh, doing my audiobooks for my novels. You basically go through a program called ACX for Amazon self-publishing stuff, and it's a marketplace where you can hire voice actors and do all of this. But what it is is you have to sign a contract with them saying that uh, if you go through. Uh, a profit share thing basically without having to pay up front that you are are putting your platform putting your book on their platform on audible for seven years exclusively like without listing it anywhere else as an audiobook um and i was like well that's not really a big deal because i don't know of a single person who listens to audiobooks anywhere else and outside of libraries i still don't i don't know anybody who buys itunes audiobooks like no, nobody i've never heard of a human being tell me yeah i'm listening to that on itunes it's just not something i've ever heard them say so i was like yeah i'll put mine up there for seven years and now that's over and it's like i could do something with them but i haven't <laughs> but they're still on audible and they still make me 20 to 40 dollars every month that's not bad at all no it's just something and it's because it's audible like that's what it is if it were on itunes no nothing no. cool well, that kind of brings us to what we've been reading lately that's interesting so i've been reading a lot like a lot more i think i'm at over 100 books for the year i think i'm at nice. like 120 and granted some of this was me finally getting through my backlog and like making myself try to listen to things that i was ambivalent about um, right. or read them and if i get like if I read a little bit and really give it a true shot and I determine that it's not for me and I'm never going to read that book, I will like count it as having read that book and I'll like rate it one star. Like I have a very, mm. I'm landing on a very specific rating system for how I rate my books out of five stars, which is interesting that I'm kind of developing that organically. Um, so if you toss those out, that's probably about 50% of the books. So even there, I'm probably through legitimately start to finish like at least 60 books for the year. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot. It is a lot. Um, so I've gotten through a lot of them, but a lot of them are kind of this like middle ground. Um, it's kind of what I've been landing on for like a three star book, where like I finished it and I thought it was okay, you know, but it wasn't like it didn't grab me. It wasn't super thrilling. I don't necessarily want to talk about it on the podcast or recommend it. Um, yeah. Whereas there are some books that like I finish and I'm like that wasn't very good. That's a two star book. Uh, books that I don't finish, that's a one star. I guess I'm just running through my rating system now. Books that were like <laughs> books that were like really good um, are four star, and then books that just totally blow me away are like five star. So I keep those for very rare ones. Um, so I have a couple here that have stood out for one reason or another. But I know you've been reading a bunch lately, right? I've been reading a bunch and I haven't finished a lot because I'm doing it all at once. Like that's my biggest problem with reading and like playing video games of any of do basically any media that's not a movie. I do a lot of it at once and bounce between them. I know Capsule J has made fun of me because he doesn't understand how I keep all of the JRPGs I'm playing at one time straight because I'll be in like four or five of them, like 15 hours in all of them instead of just finishing one of them. And I do that with books too. Like I'm listening to the second Ascend on, or I'm reading the second Ascend Online book. Um, I can't remember the the name of Journey of the Fallen, not something like that. Um that uh, Ken, when we did the lit RPG episode, yeah, um, I finally got around to buying the second one in the series and reading it because I enjoyed the first one so much. So thank cool. you, Ken. Uh, really appreciate that. Still, um, and so I've been reading it, and that's my ebook. Like I'll read it in the dark at night when Jennifer is uh, asleep and I'm just lying in bed, and need to go to sleep. Um, when, like I told you, the downtime that I have where I don't want to screen, I'm either reading um, the Avatar, the Last Airbender comics that continue the series. Like there are four volumes of those that are uh, four story arcs that are generally made up of two or three graphic novels at a time uh, at once, like made up of those. And so I've been reading those and they are excellent. Um and then I've, if I'm not reading it, I'm reading Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, which is a book I've already read. I love it, and I cannot recommend it enough. But I decided to read this cyberpunk book on purpose 
on paper. Like, I decided to read the physical book of this uh, because of seeing so many people online being excited about Cyberpunk 2077. Like, I'm excited about this, right? You are too, the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I see people, and they don't understand Cyberpunk. Like, I'm getting very irritated, and I know that uh, Cyberpunk authors have seen this too, that I've seen people look at Cyberpunk as though it's something to aspire to, that uh, that kind of aesthetic, the world is something that uh, that you can look forward to this amount of technology and all this, and that is missing the entire flipping point, that Cyberpunk is a warning genre, that when you're reading Cyberpunk of any kind, playing any kind of game, Netrunner, Cyberpunk uh, 2077, and uh, Shadowrun, any of this, it is all cautionary. Like, that's what the punk part means. It means that it's going against something, uh, that it's, it is raging against some kind of machine, and uh, cyberpunk is doing that generally against corporations. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to read on my Amazon Kindle. Snow Crash, a cyberpunk novel. I'm going to sit here in my used copy of Snow Crash reading a paperback that nobody can trace and that they didn't get uh, like royalties for this. And that's what the author wanted with used copies. And it's like, so that's why I'm reading Snow Crash. I'm reading Snow Crash as a physical book out of principle because it's cyberpunk. That's funny. Yep, it is. Like, I don't do stuff like that very often, but I saw it and I was like, that's why I'm going to do it. It's like somebody said something on Twitter and it made me angry, like nerd angry, where it's like, man, you are missing the point. And I was like, so I'm not going to say anything to you. I'm going to read this book on paper and uh, I'll show you. And uh, <laughs> but, but that's what it was. So I also got a book from work um, called uh, Tribal Leadership. Uh, it's a management book. And part of our growth plans at work is uh, to have just different kinds of uh, of leadership books and things like that for those of us who are on that track. And this one really, really speaks to me, which is why I wanted to, to talk about it here uh, in terms of uh, being around a community that lifts you up and that you're all working toward the same goal is what it's about instead of having a uh, like a corporate entity where it's all top down and it's like how I met your mother talked about the chain of screaming that when the boss yells at the assistant the assistant yells at the uh, the assistant on the next floor down that kind of thing and it just works its way its way down to the mailroom where somebody above is taking it out on the person below um, and that is the opposite of the employment the employment, uh, the workplace that that I want and uh, that we're working towards. So most people are. Uh, so tribal leadership was great for that. Cool. And just to kind of give give uh, points and work, put it into words, the kind of stuff that generally uh, a lot of us feel. So like it was it was cool. Sure. Um, I'm listening to slash reading uh, ish. Ready Player One, um, kind of, because Ready Player Two is coming out this fall. I've pre-ordered it, so by the time it comes out, I will have finished the first one. And I go back and forth on reading it and listening to the audiobook because Will Wheaton narrates the audiobook and he became one of my favorite audiobook uh, narrators of all time like he may be my I think he is my favorite na audiobook narrator because he is just the most talented one that I've ever listened to and I love that audiobook um, so I'll finish it before like November when the second one comes out sure I've been listening to The Last Emperor uh, by John Scalzi on audio, which is also narrated by Will Wheaton. Yep. Um, I've been listening to that one for a while now. There's not a lot more I can say other than if y'all are looking for recommendations, uh, Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi is a magnificent audiobook series. Uh, and the same for the Old Man's War series. If uh, if you're into sci-fi audiobooks, those are some of the best. Um and then also, like, remember a few weeks ago when I did, talked to you about the uh, Sentient comic from TKO Presents Comics that was sent? Yeah. Um, I've been working on some more of those, and I got through Sarah by uh, 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 Garth Ennis. And that is one of the most intense graphic novels I've ever read. Like, it is... It's one of those that when I, when I finished it... I've told you about this before, I know, where it's like when I finish something, I just sit there and go... Huh. 
and just kind of stare at the back cover for a while, that means that it, it hit something, that it did something right. And that's what this one did. Um, it's S-A-R-A. It's called just called Sarah, and it's about a Soviet sniper, uh, a regiment of Soviet snipers uh, made entirely of women uh, who are on the Russian side, obviously they're Russian, um, in World War II, who are going up against the Nazis as they invade Russia and push forward. Like, it is crazy good. It is very intense. It is very not for children. Like, it is Garth Ennis at his bloodiest, but it is incredibly good because it's a personal character story. And so I'm really glad that uh, TKO was able to send that to us. Um, And so if you guys do go to their website and buy it, they did give us a code. Um, It's geek 2 the numeral two, Geek20, uh, and you can get 20% off. So uh, that'll be in the show notes for this. Uh, but Geek2Geek20, uh, the TKO Presents website, and you can uh, uh, read Sarah or Sentient. Like, those are honestly two of the best comics, like the graphic novels that I've read in a long time. Just like straight up good. Like, they're up there with Saga to me um, with how much I loved it. Uh, like, these are that kind of, of graphic novel. Like, that's what they really feel like. That just, I mean, man, Sentient was one of my favorites, like, I'm going to subscribe to and read forever. Like, Sarah's kind of a one-shot. Like, it's this story, and that's what you're, you're reading here. And it's... It's just good. I read it as a as a, an actual graphic novel in my hands, and I hadn't done that in a long time. So it felt good to actually read a comic book again. So I uh, I really it made me really get back into reading uh, hardcover, like hardback, not hardcover or hardback, um, hard copy comic books too. So I was happy about that. Sweet, that's really cool. Um, yeah, on my side of things, like I I know I've been talking about whenever there's a book that like really resonates i've brought it up on the podcast um yeah. so the two top of mind that are like my favorites for the year are scythe and that series it's actually mm-hmm. like a trilogy um the first book and the third book are really strong and then the second book has some second book you know trilogy mm. not problems but it just lulls a little it's not bad it's just not as amazing as the first and the third um but scythe even just as a standalone book i love that book it's like the best thing i've read this year and then yeah. um the bob Iger. Uh, memoir which I always forget what it's actually called because it has a longer name but he's the CEO of the Disney company and has been for Mm -hmm. a long time and it's basically like a memoir of his time from when he started his career as like an intern at ABC all the way through becoming Disney CEO and all of the like leadership things that he picked up along the way um that one had a huge impact on me and I actually want to go back and like reread it or re-listen to it because it was so good so those are like two top of mind that I've already talked about. Um, There's a couple I've read lately that also resonated in one way or another. So I thought I'd mention those. Um, And again, this is me skipping over, you know, tens or twenties of books that are just like, (laughs) okay. Um, Because I never want to like highlight that kind of thing. But Terminus by Peter Kleins. I, I've never found a cosmic horror that worked for me until I found this author. So Hmm. I've read a couple of his other books, but Terminus is the first one where I realized that I was reading cosmic horror, and then I retroactively realized that his other books are also related to this one, and they're all kind of cosmic horror. And I like it. I'm just surprised. I'm looking up Peter Klein's right now because I know the name and I know some of the uh, books. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've read any of his books, um, but I know I hear him recommended all the time for different things. Um, and I'm not seeing anything here that I've read. This is the fourth book in his series. And I didn't realize that it was all the same universe and that they were all connected because each book oh. stands alone so well. And I didn't put that together until I got to this book. And there were a couple obvious things from the other books that tied in. And I went, wait a minute, is this actually a series? I just thought it was like loosely affiliated. So I went back and I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, this is like a legitimate series. Um, So he did like The Fold, which was also one that I read this year that I thought was really interesting. Um, He did 14, which was okay. Um, And then he also did, oh, is it like Dead Moon or something like that? Um, which is that space zombies one that I talked about a while ago. Mm, okay, okay, that that's one of the things that I'm thinking of too. So yeah, yeah I haven't. Maybe I bought the audio book for that one. Is what I'm thinking of at your recommendation. I haven't gotten to it yet. That may be why I'm thinking I I have one of his. 
So he's the rare author that can write cosmic horror and actually have me like it. That's a rarity for me by far. So I have to call that out. Um, what is it about his that makes you like it that you don't usually? Because I actually really like cosmic horror, and uh, I know how hard it can be uh, to uh, to really latch onto because of it being so oogie boogie out there. Um, so, what made you like Peter Klein so much? Because looking at Terminus uh, on the uh, the cover of it for the audiobook here is uh, that's hardcore uh, cosmic horror. It's got like Cthulhu style uh, like old god like imagery on it. Yeah, so with him, there is, and it took me like the four books to realize this, but there is an internal consistency to his world building that really makes it for me. Because so many people who do cosmic horror are like, it was so crazy because it was indescribable, and I'll try to describe it without describing it because you can't describe it. And I hate that. Like, I I have a just... Uh, it pushes me away when I see that kind of writing. Um, right. He doesn't do that, which is a huge plus in his favor. And then the other thing is, you know, when you find a good fantasy series that has like an internally consistent magic system that has a lot of depth to it. And you can tell mm-hmm. there's a ton going on behind the scenes because the author built an entire world before he wrote the first book. I'm thinking yes. about like Mistborn and stuff like that. Right. Like Sanderson. Um, he like, the the magic system and like internal um you know superpower type of logic that's built into the world that sanderson does for like fantasy that's what peter klein does for the cosmic horror aspect of his books like there's this internal consistency that i can now tell that he has built behind the scenes that it because it was so like behind the scenes and like done you know not in your face it took me multiple books of his to realize that he does it so well and they all tie together because there's something going on behind the scenes that is just it's consistent in a really cool way Hmm. okay see i can totally get that like yeah a lot of the issue with like especially the original cosmic horrors with like lovecraft and uh and the people around that era is there is a lot of inconsistency there because they were uh, a little bit crazy yes and uh so to to hear that, like that's really high praise from somebody like you who doesn't tend to read that kind of uh, book. So I'm I really wanted to listen to that now. Yeah. So Peter Klein's is good. Um, the other one was Creativity Inc. that I finished recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like half management book and half the story of Pixar. So in a way, it reminds me of that Bob Iger. Um, yeah. Book that I read because it's like. It it's getting to leadership and management and like creativity things through stories of real life things that had happened. Right. Um, and so Creativity Inc. is one of the co-founders of Pixar. It's like him talking about his career at Pixar, essentially. So that hmm. was pretty good. Um, and then I finished the Dr. Afra audiobook and it was really, really good for what it is. And it's just like, you got to know what it is when you're going into it. So right. it's an audiobook version of the Dr. Afra comics that already exist. And oh, so if you've read her like standalone comic storyline, you already know what's going to happen in the audiobook. The thing that makes it interesting to me, and one of the reasons I still liked it a lot, even though I knew that storyline because I've read all those comics, this is from her point of view in a way that the comics aren't like this is some of her like internal dialogue and like her recordings of what's happening so that you understand her perspective on things more than you ever would from reading the comics but it's a retelling of that same story so it's a really fascinating way to do an audiobook um and to like build out the star wars universe a little bit while still like recovering a story that already exists that's a really cool way to do it, especially with it, because you can usually get inside the character's head in a comic in ways that you can't in like a television show uh, or a movie. So it's interesting to see that they still went another step further with the audiobook than they did even the uh, graphic novels. Yeah, well, and the, you know, the comics, it's like it jumps between like her droid's point of view and Darth Vader's point of view and some of the other characters that she interacts with. Um, yeah, whereas this one really sticks with her point of view the whole time. But it it works. The way that they did it works, and it has built on the character for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with reading. We might actually, 
eventually try to do like a top 10 audiobook list or something too because i like that idea not for this episode because we're running low on time um before we do a little bit of quick weekly geekery just based on where we're at for time uh don't forget we are part of a network and there's a network patreon which do you want to fill them in on what's new with that so we're working on the Patreon, uh, trying to get it uh, set up to be something new. Uh, this is the first month that we're doing this at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast uh, Still that URL for right now until we uh, get a chance to move it over. You can also get there from geek to... You can also get there from geek2geekmedia.com slash Patreon as a redirect. Um, always be able to get there. You, uh, What we're doing is we're going to be having uh, exclusive content made for patrons only there. Uh, so if you are already a patron, this is going to be basically a value add for you. And if you're, a new, hopefully this will attract some new patrons. Um, we're doing this so that we can actually pay the people who are contributing and writing this content and creating this content because uh, they deserve to uh, be compensated for it, really, uh, as somebody who creates for a living. And uh, I think that there's a very important thing to uh, let people get paid so we're doing that and using this patreon to do do to do that our first issue of it is going to be in the form of a zine right now um it'll probably expand to more than that as we get more patrons um but right now we're going to have some exclusive articles for you and this month's theme is remakes and remasters and the stuff that we have planned for you right now i'm really really excited for uh, to talk about we're gonna have looks at uh, uh things like dragon quest 3 um and not these are not going to be reviews they're going to be actual looks at them as remakes and why, what works, what doesn't. Uh, the idea of games that may not need remakes or have remakes but didn't need them. Uh, we're going to be talking about DuckTales and things like that. So it's going to be really fun. Uh, so you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash geek2geekcast and uh, read more about what the uh, changes entail. Sweet. That's awesome. Um, and with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. We'll be very light this week, and maybe we'll just do a catch-up episode next week, because our main topic went long. But that's always fun it did. when that happens. So what have you been up to? Uh, this week, I finally finished Legend of Korra, uh, cool. the that's sequel good. or follow-up to uh, to Avatar. Um, I think that you would probably like this show more than you would other animated shows. Um, it feels a little disconnected compared to Avatar overall because they knew going into Avatar that there were going to be three seasons and they were telling the story. With Korra, they thought they were going to get canceled every season. So they were trying uh, to tell an entire story story but have it be self-contained without being able to lead up to too much um that said season two is the weakest of them but seasons three and four are great season four holds up as one of my favorite uh seasons of tv that i've seen in a very very long time that they finished it out with a fantastic season and this show is every bit about characters uh as avatar was um i cannot recommend that enough and i look forward to finishing up the avatar comics uh, uh, to read the Korra comics that continued this story. Uh, so there are a series of Korra comics. Um, they're all on CBS All Access right now, which is where we subscribed. But in about a week and a half, they're going to both be on uh, Netflix. Avatar already is, and Korra comes onto Netflix uh, in about two weeks. So, uh, yeah, Legend of Korra was fantastic. Um, also, the uh, the guy who did Sui Coden, the PlayStation 1 RPG series, uh, PlayStation 2 as well, uh, from Konami, uh, is did a uh, Kickstarter for the game. And this is one that I have uh, saw and followed and was really excited about uh, called Ayuden Chronicle. And it is really cool. It looks like Octopath Traveler, except a lot better. And I don't know I don't know how to put it. Like it's got like a hundred recruitable characters in it. It's a JRPG. Uh one of the premium uh uh Kickstarter rewards is to be able to put your cat in the game and they're gonna have people's pets in there all throughout the game. Uh so that's gonna be really fun to play and see other people's pets basically wandering around the world and being able to interact with. Um Sack Chief, one of the Dragon Quest uh YouTubers, uh he did an a dev interview with uh, the lead d developer of uh, Iodin, and uh, we actually got to publish that on the Geek to Geek uh, Geekery site. So if y'all go to uh, the 
geek2geekmedia.com. Uh, you'll be able to find the Iodin Chronicle uh, dev interview that SAC Chief did and let us publish. Uh, it's great. Like, it is uh, going to be awesome. Like, the way that they talk about this game makes me really excited for it. Sweet. Yeah, I backed that one. Did you? Awesome. Yeah. Did yeah, you I put did. your cat in? Did you put? Did you do something or the non-cat pets for the pigs? No, I don't think so. I just I backed it, and that's all I've done. But yeah, okay. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, you should. I think it. I think it costs like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars to do it. Oh, which I'm not going to do that. I didn't. Then. But uh, but yeah, I was like, I should put my dog and cat in there. Like I was like, you got two cats and a dog. You can't pay like six hundred dollars for that. Yeah, so. I did whatever the version was where you just get the digital game. That's all I care about. I just want the game. Um, I know. I just wanted my disc of it too. So yeah, for me this week, uh, the main thing was I platinumed and I also got a hundred percent of everything in Ghost of Tsushima. So I don't usually do that. I think this is my like sixth or seventh platinum ever, and when i do get a platinum i very rarely will go in and actually get a hundred percent of everything which you absolutely don't have to do to get this platinum in this game i was just looking for excuses to stay in the world more because i love the game so much so i did that that was a lot of my week um i would be surprised if that is not in my top five games of the year like it was so good and i don't then, see how it couldn't be at this point given the way that yeah. you felt about it this entire time the art direction and the visuals in that game are just like breathtaking not because of like huge graphic graphic like advancements but just because of how they use what's there and it's just it's incredible so we'll talk more about that i'm sure at year end because there's no way that doesn't make my list Mm -hmm. um the other thing i want to touch on quick is this app called good sudoku so (laughs) zach gage took the uh, the idea of sudoku which you know exists and he basically he really liked it but as him and like one of his development partners um, started looking around, they realized that all of the Sudoku apps just suck and they don't have good tools to teach. They don't have good hint systems. If they do have hints, it's like, here's where a number goes, but it doesn't explain the concept behind what it takes to learn it. And then they also went in and they made all of these improvements to like, like there's a focus mode. There's, um, there are i don't even know everything they made like an arcade mode there's a focus mode um there's different color schemes and different like things you can do that really help you like narrow in on where the puzzles need like logic work and so Hmm. essentially what they've done is they've taken sudoku and they've eliminated all of the busy work from it which is the annoying (laughs) part and they've distilled it down to you just being able to see the board and look at the piece of logic that you need to figure out and it is so satisfying like i i always thought sudoku was okay i think i love it now because of this app and they they added this thing called auto note and it is just like game changing so when you're doing sudoku you can make notes like in the boxes before you figure out what the number goes there um right I didn't even say what Sudoku is up front. If you guys don't know, it's like a puzzle, like a like you know New York Times crossword puzzle type of thing. Sudoku is one of those, but it's a number puzzle where you have a grid that's nine by nine, and you have to fill in all of them. And there's just a couple of rules about like you have to have number one through nine in each box and in each row and in each column. Like that's the basics of Sudoku. Um, so when you're looking at an individual box, you can like write in notes about like oh this could be this but it could definitely not be this number that kind of thing so in good sudoku there's literally literally a button that just says auto note and if you hit that it'll do all the notation for you so that you don't have to like tediously go through and like manually check each box it'll just give you all of the things that you need to start working on the next piece of the logic so where in the past, I've sat down with a Sudoku puzzle and it's like 15 minutes of like, you know, really working at it. And a lot of it feels like busy work in good Sudoku on like the the easy mode or like the advanced mode and even some of the expert modes. Now, I will finish a puzzle in like two minutes and just keep flying because it it takes away all the busy work from you. Um so I love this app. I've been doing the daily puzzle every day and then a couple extras on top of it usually. So if you have ever liked Sudoku or if you think you might like Sudoku, you owe it to yourself to go to the app store and get the app called, it's literally just called Good Sudoku because it is amazing. <laughs> it's so because good. Because it's Good Sudoku. It is. It actually is. Um, so that's so the other thing from the week. I've got to ask about this. I hate Sudoku. Like, I'm going to go straight you, up. So like, if you I hate have, Sudoku, don't do it. Because it's not going to change the underlying puzzle, right? 
yeah i mean i've never liked the kind of puzzle it is so like it's just not my kind of of it's not my kind of puzzle actually i like puzzles just not that one um but auto note i'm confused about because it seems like you press the button and it tells you what moves to make no like that's so where i'm the confused interesting like, part maybe of sudoku is not doing the busy work notation to figure out like it it's just a lot of like upkeep and a lot of like bookkeeping before you get to the point where you can see the board in a certain way that then you have to make the leaps of logic the interesting part is making those leaps of logic and this game gets you right to those pieces by taking away the busy work and it's something that if you haven't done sudoku before it might not sound correct it might sound like the game plays itself for you right it's, it's not doing that like it's just getting rid of the annoying parts of the game okay I will take your word for it because I've, I've not done enough Sudoku to have to have made a lot of those notes. So that's why it sounds like you said, it sounds like that. But as someone who does it, it's obviously not. So it's like, it's yeah. not like you don't play games and understand how these things work. Yeah, it's, I could get into it, but it's a very minutia things about Sudoku that right. I don't think would make for very good audio. So I'm not going to, I'll just say that it's the best Sudoku app that I've ever seen. And it might actually make me fall in love with Sudoku. Whereas before I just hmm. thought it was an okay puzzle thing. I'm curious on after you play this for a while, if you're going to be able to go back to like the Sudoku books and have a good time with those I, or other apps for even even. I kind of doubt it because this one's so good. So we'll see. Um, I'll report back because right now it's a daily thing for me. And if it stays that way, then this one might carry through to the end of the year. We'll see what happens. Nice. Um, that's about it for today. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all of the other content on the network, like blogs, video game reviews, and so much more. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. See, I guess I can read. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.